Stick with us. Say goodbye to the generic face wash on your counter because Caldera Lab is here to save the day when it comes to your skin. Backed by a leading clinical trial where 9 out of 10 men experienced healthier and visibly improved skin, Caldera Lab has the tools to unlock your best first impression and confidence. See for yourself why so many men trust Caldera Lab for their skincare needs. All right, that is Caldera Lab, one of our sponsors. You can head out there and get yourself a discount at Caldera Lab. Their products are fantastic, made for men and skin. Your skin is super important, not just because for us that we're on camera and these are the money makers, uh, but because it will help you stay youthful throughout. Caldera Lab, head out there and get yourself a discount. I am totally winging the timing on my returns here as uh, I have kind of cobbled together a location within my in-laws house. Uh, and so hopefully that timing was fairly close. Uh, I do want to take this time to show my appreciation for my in-laws for housing us. I have made the move down to Oklahoma as I am now retired air force officially it'll be Saturday. Um, but, uh, uh, thanks to, uh, Sharon and Jerry for housing our family as we wait for our house to be set up. Uh, and thanks for allowing me to take this one bedroom and completely like move everything around and like hook. I mean, the, I stopped shy of dragging a cable all the way through the house to hook up directly <laughs> to the router. So I do appreciate them That's what I do. <laughs> uh, putting up with me and allowing us to, to do this. So a big shout out to the uh, Schaefer family and, and allowing the Perry family to uh, stay with them as uh, we what's transition. it like in uh, Oklahoma weather wise. It's too bloody hot. I'll tell you that much. It's it's a hundred degrees right now. Like it's just too dang on hot. I am I do not miss this heat. I miss I, yeah. I miss I miss the sixty degree weather we left uh, in Maryland. But uh, I've already we've already ran into two snakes. Uh, nothing too big. One was a garter snake, and the other one was a hog nose. Uh, so you know nothing dangerous for uh, for humans, but uh, oh, still man. you know they need to be repositioned elsewhere. Uh, what does that yeah. mean? What does repositioned elsewhere mean? Uh, it means that they are no longer on the Schaefer premises. Okay. okay. <laughs> all right. Are they still somewhere on this earth? Or have oh, they... I'm sure we're all still somewhere on this earth. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to get PETA on me here. Okay. We're... <laughs> no, you guys, I just saw in the comments back to the whatever. The actual yeah. comment, sure. Yeah. Allison asked, should Leaky Boat Rivera, which I think is funny, Riverboat, that's a nice play mm -hmm. on that get a free pass because you said before we went to break everybody gets a free pass for i said a lot of people are going to get a, a free pass I, th ron I think rivera, what about you yeah. think i don't think no he no, no. Mm -hmm. ron rivera <laughs> needs to potentially go double digit victories to secure his job here in the future and 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 i think that is and honestly i mean even if they just make the playoffs it's not enough it needs to be Make the playoffs with a strong showing and mm -hmm. potentially win a couple games or one, one, at least one game in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, if you're a wild card, if you go in as the wild card, you're gonna have to win that wild card game. Otherwise, history says new owners want their people in. Yeah. And if you, so you, it's kind of, um, Denzel Washington, you know, remember the Titans, right? Like they're just looking for that one reason to just boot you out. So it's, mm -hmm. you just gotta keep winning. Otherwise, 
that's that's going to be the excuse. And I mean, we see this in the NBA a lot, NHL, uh, which the NHL draft is going on right now. We'll see if we don't have an update for our, our capitals when it comes to that. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, they they get rid of winning coaches all the time, yeah. and the NFL hasn't quite done that. They try to give a coach a few years to make mistakes, build their roster. We're we're a built roster at this point. I mean, it's still missing yeah. potentially missing a QB, but there's no excuses at this point, uh, year four, to not have a be at the point that you would want a new hire to or new uh, owner to be like, yep, this is my guy. We're sticking with him. Yeah. So who's getting the free pass that you mentioned? Who are you saying gets a free pass this season? I would probably, uh, I'd say Eric Bieniemy is, is he's the topic du jour for our game session here. But I mean, if hmm. if Sam Howell turns out not to be the guy, mm-hmm. I still would have Eric Bieniemy be an offensive coordinator. Mm. I, 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 I think that uh-huh. you know, I mean, if he scores, <laughs> I mean, how many years did Scott Turner get, and how many times did I yeah. back Scott Turner saying, no, I like some of the play things, he just hasn't put it together. Eric Bieniemy mm-hmm. has a track record that is very successful. And yeah. so he has a down year here in Washington and Washington scores like 21 oh. points per game or something like that, which is an improvement over last year, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not necessarily world breaker. No, he's one who I would give a free pass to and be like, okay, maybe Sam Howell isn't the guy, or maybe we're missing some pieces. Line isn't the best. Uh, so go out there and, and get him some tools to be successful. Now, one of the, he has a lot of great tools here. The running back room is average to above average in the NFL. The wide receiver room would be, in my opinion, a top 10 group. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have they have a top 15 guy. They have a budding second-year guy, and they have Curtis Samuel, who can be a top 50 guy. 25. Like, I mean, that's a good good room. Curtis Samuel, top five. Okay, let's not get too carried away. He said 25. 25? Yeah. I would still wouldn't put I wouldn't him even that. give him 25. I think top 50s wide receiver would be good for him. I think Jahan Dotson could get to top 25. That I will give you. All right, so so the question then is, you're saying Eric Bieniemy would get a pass. So we figure out Sam Howell's not the guy, or maybe even he's okay. Like you said, they they go up maybe a couple points per game on average, and but they go seven and ten, and and the new owner says, "All right, we got to clean, we got to we got to bring in a whole new." You think Eric Bieniemy survives that, and everybody around him gets fired? Maybe I, not. Maybe not here that. in Washington. Maybe not here in Washington. But I think enough teams would be like, okay, let's bring him on, uh, and he would get a second chance somewhere else's. Oh yeah, for chance. sure. But yeah, yeah, for sure, he would get a, a spot somewhere else. Why not make him the yeah. head coach though? Ooh, because that never happens. <laughs> um, Why not? You clean never out say never, Stoner. But one guy, and then we've never know. had we've ne- we've only had Dan Snyder. Okay, we don't know anything can happen. Well, I I don't mean just here. I mean in the history of sports teams in any league to where they clean house with all the coaches because of a bad year or a bad bunch of years. Wasn't and Jim they, Zorn a hire from within? No, he was a yeah, special teams no. coach from. Now you're gonna make me look from, it up. Oh no 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 no! Jim Zorn was absolutely not. And by the way, he was like the 
fifth choice. Oh, yeah, no, he, he was so far down, which is why I thought that he was. Uh, if, no, he I was not remember a, him being. No, not on even. that. On that, uh, it came from maybe even maybe it was even Gus Seattle. Says no, no, yeah, he was def- no. I know that one for sure. He was never. But anyway, that just doesn't happen. You don't fire everybody except one guy and promote him. Seattle Seahawks quarterbacks coach, yeah, by the way, that's where he was. Yeah, so th- that just doesn't happen. Okay, fine. But but I, I get the sentiment that maybe he uh, shows this, something. But this is why I remembered it being a, 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 an internal hire. I remember there was there something you, funky about it, besides the fact that Jim Zorn was like the fifth option. But Jim Zorn was hired because he went from quarterback coach to the OC here. Yeah. They couldn't find anybody. No one wanted to work for Dan Snyder, so they just pushed uh, Zorn up to head coach. I remember that, like, vaguely, and that's why I was just kind of thinking. I was like, I thought he was an internal hire. He was sort of. Well, okay. I, I think uh, maybe you, you could hit that on a technicality. But I, I do want to say one thing. Again, we're going to get deeper into B enemy slash Howell, but, and we're going to talk. We're going to praise Bienemy quite a bit, deservedly so. His track record is very good. I do want to point out one thing before we get into his good track record. When he he went after his stint with the Vikings as running backs coach, when he had uh, Adrian Peterson as his running back for most of his years, which is great. It was a great tandem. He went back to Colorado, his alma mater, to be the offensive coordinator. At that time, there were 120 uh, Division One or FCS, I think they call it now, teams. What do you think his Colorado's offense was ranked in his first year, which was 2011? Uh, 85th. All right, Nathan? Yeah, I'm going to go bottom third, so whatever the math checks out for that. So probably in that 85-plus range. range, 75 at the highest probably. 109. Yep. Oh. Okay, they were not a good team. They were like three and ten or something like that. Fine. All right, that was your first year. Let's let's turn it around. Year two improvement, and can he improve in year two? Out of 120 teams, where do you think the offense was ranked? Colorado still. You Colorado. said 109. They went from 109 to what? 102. 120. They were worst the absolute offense. worst yeah. offense. In the entire country, with Eric Bieniemy as the offensive coordinator. Okay, that's college. That's a small sample size. Everything else he did in the pros. So I just want to point that out: that you can have bad periods or bad years, yeah, and you're going to lose your job, even when you're like coming home to your alma mater, which should give you free pass after free pass after free pass. Ed didn't work out for him in that situation. He came back to the NFL with the Chiefs, and we all know what happened over the last 10 years with the Chiefs. So just kind of keep that in mind when we're when we're singing his praises, rightfully yeah. so. Gus Bus says we might be overhyping EB. Do you think that's uh that's what we're all getting ash burned right now? I mean, we I think we're all very excited, and there's a I think a lot to be excited about. Kind of what we talk about. There's hope. That we have here mm-hmm. with Eric Bieniemy, just seeing some of the things Kansas City brought to the table. And Stoner, you have a few more other stats on the EB side, you know, outside of the ones that are saying, "Hey, cool your britches, get us fired up, Stoner, get us fired okay. up with a, a good stack now." All right. So, of course, when he was the running backs coach in 
Minnesota, like we talked about before he went back to Colorado. So this is his first jobs in the NFL. His his rushing offense was 17th, 1st, 5th, 13th, and 10th. For those last four years, he had Adrian Peterson. Okay, so is it Adrian Peterson or is it the rushing attack? Whatever. We have this debate all the time. I always go back to the Cowboys of the early 90s. Was it Troy Aikman or was it Emmitt Smith? Or was it an offensive line? Or was it Norv Turner? Or was it Jimmy Gent? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Was it Michael Irvin? Blah, blah, blah. You can Meryl go on Johnson. And on stuff. Yeah, exactly. You can go on him. and on and on and on with that Probably stuff. Him. But you just can't deny that you as a coach coached a player slash group and they had tremendous success. And, and that's what happened. We've all seen the video of him talking to Adrian Peterson in the huddle and really giving it to him and them go, kind of going at each other because he holds guys accountable. So that's a really good stat. Then he goes to Kansas City, right? And he was the running backs coach from 2013 to 2017. So what was their ranking in rushing? They were 10th, 10th, 6th, 15th, and 9th. So they were top third almost every year. And with running backs like Spencer Ware, Sharkandrick West, uh, Jamal Charles, who was very good for a short period of time, Kareem Hunt in his rookie year. So he had that rushing room in great shape. And that's probably what helped um, uh, Alex Smith, who had his best years at quarterback when Mm -hmm. EB was the uh, running backs coach. And then he gets promoted offensive coordinator, just happens to coincide when Patrick Mahomes starts. And of course, their offense was in the five years he was there, first, sixth, first, third, first. Okay, again, is it Patrick Mahomes? Is it the enemy? Is it Reed? Is it the Tyreek Hill? Is it Kelsey? Is it the offense? You know what I mean? But you can't deny what he brings to an offense is unparalleled success at the professional level. And those stats bear it out. And there's nobody who can look at any of his play designs and say, I'm not sure about this guy. Maybe we're overhyping him. Because we're not. His success, you can't deny the success that he's had. Now, how much of that uh, success there is Andy Reid? You brought up Jamal Charles, so I wanted to see something here. Uh, Jamal Charles was a very successful running back in 2009, 2010, and 2012, all pre-Eric Bieniemy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, he did have two good years there, 2013 and 2014, before finding himself injured and then away on Denver and Jacksonville, also kind of getting up there in age uh, sure. 29 and 30 years of age by that point. Um, so how much of it is Eric Bieniemy's offense and how much of it is Andy Reid? And are we being too focused on that when any one of the Shanahan trees, we always get people get excited about somebody from a Shanahan tree. Shouldn't we be excited for this Andy Reid? Maybe just a little bit of it comes with Eric Bieniemy. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think also – we're upset because of the Sean McVay, the Kevin O'Connells, and the Matt LaFleurs. They weren't what they were when they were with us now. So it's like, okay, we didn't know they were going to go off and be the successful when they when they went away. They just happened to be successful. So I think we're caught up in that a little bit. It wasn't like they were extremely successful. We just let them go out the door for nothing to, to do something, the same thing somewhere else. But we've seen from the outside looking in 
Eric Bieniemy and his success, the stats that Stoner just read from Colorado, if you followed him all the way from, from his whole career from the early days, his, his chief stats as a running back coach and then as an offensive coordinator, like nothing but proven success. So, of course, and it's now we have that in our possession. So we should be super excited because we've seen it before. It's not like we didn't see it and then all of a sudden just happened somewhere else. It's like, oh, man, we, we used to have him. But, yeah, but Sean McVay was a tight ends coach. Okay, so it's not like he was offensive guru here. Kevin O'Connell was a quarterback's coach. And he had Kirk Cousins and the whole slew of other different quarterbacks. So he really didn't have consistency as his position of coaching. So it's just Eric Bieniemy is a shiny new toy, and we've been looking for shiny new toys. Just like with the Josh Owner thing, we've seen Dancing Snyder fail over and over and over again as an owner. So now we should be excited for somebody else to come replace him. Same thing mm-hmm. for Eric Bieniemy. We've seen mm-hmm. Scott Turner and the the uh, John Gruden. I mean the J- Jay Grudens and the everybody else has been OC here. Now we see somebody who's proven themselves. It's a shiny new toy. Let's have them. So I don't think we're overhyping it at all. I think we have every right to be excited. And I think it's not Ashburn at all. It's actually legit hope because of the success path. So, so if we're not overhyping them, if we're if we're just being no. the right around right right amount of hyped, mm-hmm. what is Stoner? What is the biggest number one thing that you're excited about? What he brings? What he could potentially do with this team? I think that's pretty easy. I think it's his ability to take special players and design plays to allow them to do what they do best. When he had he had special players in Kansas City, obviously at the quarterback position, that's but you can't deny that. Uh Patrick Mahomes may go down as the greatest quarterback ever when he, when he's done. But he had a guy like Tyreek Hill, who was tiny. There are guys, uh, I'm not, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic when I say this, but there are guys who have been just as fast and just as quick as Tyreek Hill that have played in the NFL. We, you know, we can go. A lot of them didn't have hands, though. So, I mean, that's. Sure. But he's designed an offense to take advantage of those skills. So he designs motions. He designs plays to uh, to get guys open, very simple, and get them in their best position to make plays. And he does, and he did it when Hill left. And by the way, one year when Hill was hurt, he said, "Well, Travis Kelsey's special. Let me design this offense to get Travis Kelsey the ball as much as possible, and, and let him cook." And that's what he does. So he's got to be able to look at this offense and say, I've got a special player in Terry McLaurin. Look at Terry McLaurin's stats over the four years he's been in the NFL, and you can match them up with any of the top 10 receivers in the NFL. And then look at his quarterbacks that he's had to deal with. Mm-hmm. At least 10 different quarterbacks that he's had throwing the ball. I think with uh, if you count Fitzpatrick for a quarter and a half, I think it's 11. Whatever, it's an obscene amount of quarterbacks, and he's still in the top 10 in receiving. So he's got to make Terry McLaurin a tie hill. Not that's a different skill set, but I'm just saying, in terms of figuring out the way ways to get Terry McLaurin in space and take advantage of his skills, we've seen Terry break tackles all the time, make guys miss all the time. Make contested catches. We don't want to make contested catches. 
We want him in the open field moving around. And then yeah. look at the other guys. Let's look at Antonio Gibson. Everybody's been saying for years, Nathan's the leader in this that says, I'm surprised I don't have a Gibby uh, jersey, honest to goodness, because I've, <laughs> yeah. been, I've been on the Antonio Gibson from day one. Nobody doubts Gibson's talent. It just hasn't been taken advantage of or, or utilized. Not utilized. Thank you, Trev. That's the right word. Those are, I think, the two guys that he's got to figure out how to get those guys open in space. So that's what he's got to do in order to um, prove his worth and to show what he can he can do as a coordinator. Sure I got, I'm going to add to that. Yeah. I think you got to add Logan Thomas in there too. Just for how he used Travis Kelsey, Noah Gray, um, Blake Bell, who was a former quarterback turned um, tight end. You know, I think if you add the tight end to Terry McLaurin and, and Gibby, then that will be the complete – what he needs to what you, what you were talking about what he brings. Also, what I think is important what he brings to us accountability mm. and the way he coaches. There's been time after time we've gone to training camp, we've seen footage, offensive coordinator just stay on the sideline, ho humming. They might be creative minds, mindsets at times, but they're just ho humming, like, oh, we'll fix it later. Or, you know, so you threw a pick. Oh, well, stop throwing picks, you know. But all of a sudden, we're here right now is he's getting in there, you know what in practice and OTAs, the pads hadn't even been on. He's out there coaching like it's his last time. He's going to get this chance to do that. And I think that's really translating into our players, not only offense, but defense, Mm -hmm. the detail, pay attention to details, the perfection, the constant repetitiveness of drills. If you mess it up, like it's not just, Oh, we'll fix it later. No, we're going to beat this dead horse until you understand. You know what I mean? So I just think that we haven't seen that. At least I haven't for a long time. I think that will translate to go along with the schemes that he's he's creating. Yeah, I think some of those are really big there. Tougher guy is saying attitude is the easy number one uh, reason there. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some talk on, you know, the from the code talker about the West style, West Coast style offense not require, requiring super great players and just being able to fill out in the right spots and, and everything. And, and Stoner, you were going to tail off of his, but I wanted to make sure we got to some of those comments uh, like mm-hmm. Jay here with Dotson and McLaurin being fed. You know, that's that to me when you're talking about Logan Thomas, Trev, is going to be interesting to see where the tight ends come in when mm-hmm. you have two great wide receivers. Right. Where do the tight ends like if you there's only one ball, you're only going to have, right. you know, probably 30 pass attempts a game. And so where where is it being distributed? Because you want your 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 money makers to to hit pay dirt and to get they the ball them. often. And Logan Thomas is is should probably be the fourth or fifth option at best. Right. I, I totally well, yeah, I agree. Yes, for sure. I think the tight end position, but, and Trev mentioned it about Logan Thomas. I'll be honest. I don't need Logan Thomas to catch any balls. Okay. I, I need the tight end position to be an effective weapon. And I don't think Logan Thomas is that guy. Logan Thomas is Nathan. He is what? decidedly mediocre he is which is fine which is fine he's I'm not good. a he doesn't have the skill set that some of these no. better tight ends he doesn't yeah. even have the skill he's also set older but, coming off injury there's a lot of yeah, reasons. But, i like logan thomas right people overhype him his best season had 600 yards like i mean I I just say, yeah 
but that was a good season. Like we used him in the red it zone, was. crucial third downs. If we dude, like six that's foot what five, I mean. an absolute. Yeah. Like, he's an athlete. I mean, he's. So I'm not asking he's right a here to make some moves like Travis Kelsey. I'm not asking to break ankles. Just right, right. You know, maybe run the same design routes. You know, and just catch the sure. ball, but. On the right. Travis Kelsey, Kelsey French, because this, this actually goes into one of the things I'm very excited, kind of the scheme aspect as well. I Before the show today, I watched uh, Travis Kelsey, was interested to see specifically how they involve him in the screen game, because the screen game is something I'm looking forward to coming back with Eric Bieniemy here in Washington, because we've just Washington's been abysmal these last two or three years in the screen game. And I wanted to see whether or not they would use the tight end in there. Of course, Travis Kelsey is an otherworldly player and Logan Thomas isn't, isn't Travis Kelsey, but I wanted to see it there, but I watched Travis Kelsey take like an 80 yard uh, or take a screen 80 yards for a touchdown. Now the, the, blocking was beautiful that by the way quarterback there was alex smith uh that's how long ago this was but i mean it it was it was just amazing to watch and and seeing where our players are going to get some of this timing and space and and yes gus bus west coast offense is timing and the blocking hasn't we're not sure how this offensive line is going to hold up but again i'm going to look to a couple years ago where when Washington schemed around getting the ball out quicker and doing things like that, they had an offensive line that was ranked fairly highly because you're you're not going to make too many mistakes in two to three seconds. So if the ball's coming out quick and the ball's getting in space, I think that the offensive line should be able to hold up just fine. It's if we start doing these seven-step drops or if we're constantly looking to do these more these late-developing plays – that now we're having to rely on Sam Howell, who is a first-year starter, to be Patrick Mahomes. Mm. And there's one Patrick Mahomes. There might be Caleb Williams in the future who has a lot of similarities and just working off script, but right now there's one guy in the NFL who does that, and that's Patrick Mahomes. And, And Sam Howell, as much as I'm a howler, I don't want to put the pressure on him there. And so you do these things like get a quality screen game. We talked with Pete Haley, uh, Declassified, Washington Declassified actually has a video out where they break down some of these. I haven't watched it yet, but get out there. I've got it saved on my watch list. Uh, uh, those guys, Brian and um, and crew, do a wonderful job out there in Declassified. The so uh, make sure you support their channel as well. But the screen game, like get the we have one of the fastest wide receiver rooms, like mm-hmm. one, two, three mm-hmm. in the in the NFL. And to use that, you have to get them in space or get them the ball early and then let them run. But you also need to work on that blocking and and who's going to be out there. And this is probably the one thing that scares me a little bit when it comes to the Washington wide receiver room is our guys aren't big guys. So they're, they're, they're kind of at a disadvantage when it comes to blocking. So maybe that's where Logan Thomas comes in. Maybe that's where Cole Turner comes in is you, you get them out there and then you kind of rotate who gets the screens or just the misdirection and watched another wonderful Kansas city play where they had all the motion going one direction and Philadelphia all went with the motion and it was just an easy dump pass for a touchdown five yards out because in the Super Bowl, Yeah. And it, and it's and those are the things I want to see come to Washington and for them to be successful. So I we'll see if it happens, but that's what I'm hopeful, and that's what I think he will bring here is kind of a change 
of pace and that mindset. I mean, he's not Scott Turner. He is Eric Bieniemy. So his mindset is what I'm most excited about. And you can have Eric Bieniemy draw up incredible plays. Like, look, Scott Turner can draw draw up plays. He's a professional offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He knows what he's doing in terms of drawing up plays. Calling plays, you know, that's a whole other thing. But you can have him develop and create an offense. But if you don't have the players who are going to be able to execute those plays, then a lot of this stuff's not going to work. If you have your entire offense going to one side, as, as Nathan talked about, like in the Super Bowl that Kansas City did, everyone's going right, and then you just leave one guy going out left. Well, if that's, forgive me, if that's Logan Thomas and John Bates and Chris Rodriguez all going to the right, there's going to be four or five guys staying left because that's not a threat. That's not a scary threat. But if you have Gibby and McLaurin and Dotson all going right, the whole team's going right, and then you've got Curtis Samuel sitting out there on the left side or something to that effect. That's what Biennemi does, but you have to have the talent to be able to force teams to adjust, and that's when you take advantage of it. You have those plays where you're dumping it off to Samuel for eight yards. You're dumping it to McLaurin for you know a short pass for nine yards, a screen pass. We all talked about the enemy's big on screen plays. A screen pass to Brian Robinson for 14, and now you got the safeties coming up. Now you got the linebackers coming up because we're just gouging them at the line of scrimmage. And then B-Rob goes for seven, uh, you know, sweep right or whatever. Bro, and then all of a sudden, Terry McLaurin goes, goes deep. Everybody's coming up, and you just throw it over the top to Terry McLaurin. And it's it really is kind of as simple as that. You just have to be able to execute, and you have to have the talent to execute those plays. But most importantly, you have to have the offensive coordinator to be able to say, we're going to figure out how to get our playmakers the ball and put – all the pressure on the defense to stop him. And that's what he should be able to do. So is he overhyped? No. No, I don't think so. I think he is very good at what he does, and hopefully it translates here as long as the quarterback can execute. Hey, don't you worry about a thing with him. I I just (laughs) want to point out, and as great transition as this is, because Sam Howell's getting a lot of love right now. Um, his quiet leadership, which is something that Carson Wentz had but was not praised for. Um, but his teammates right now are coming out. Jahan Dotson has this wonderful uh, this wonderful video uh, interview out right now where he talks about Sam Howell and him and, and just dotes on him. And it looks genuine. Like some people you can see like when they're being interviewed by uh, some players that like kind of go into that mindset of like, okay, now i got to say these canned things. Yeah. Jahan Dotson was talking about how he's going to explode for a great year, and he knows that because he has a guy like Sam Howell who can put the ball in places where he's not. And I mean, granted, Jahan Dotson's not exactly worked with some great quarterbacks in his uh, time in college and his time here uh, in Washington, but – He's putting the ball in places where he's not seeing QBs being able to do, and he's doing those small things that are getting him ready for the the NFL season. 
Trav, I know you're buying. I'm buying. <laughs> Stoner's been on the fence. I'm getting sick of tired of him being on this daggone fence. I have not been on the fence. I've been very clear no, with my position. There was a couple episodes where you were on the Howl train. No, I am on the I'm on the Hope Howl train, but no. I'm not oh, on the fence. You gotta be a howler with us, Stoner. So what you want Jacoby Brissett to take to week one? No, I don't. I'm not saying what I want. I'm saying what I believe is to be true. Stoner I says this every Howell year, right? Yeah, here we go. Stoner, Stoner's going to say this every year. He wants yeah. all the players to be the best that they can be. That's never, ever uh, in question with Stoner. He, he wants them to be successful. He is the resident pessimist of the three of us, Trav. Man, that's not fair. That's Pessimist I, is not fair. Because Trev is absolutely the the, right. the the one who is always pie in the sky. Trev's always pie in the sky. I'm Thank the you. fence sitter normally, and yeah. that means Stoner, you're the pessimist. I'm the realist that turns out to be right all the time. <laughs> I was right about all of these quarterbacks and all of these offenses and and overall I'm, records. Yeah. And I'm right all a lot of times because I'm uh, I like I give both sides the story so I can be I can be either right or wrong every time. And I just give hope and joy. Yeah, hope. And, until they and do bad be- and then you trash them and then like 5 minutes later you're back on the hope train. I love yeah, it. I love it. Yeah, Michael Stoner is not a pessimist. He's saying that he's a realist. We get it. Uh, and, and there's a lot to be real about. And Sam Howell, historically, quarterbacks don't do well in the fifth. And and Jahan Dotson brought up the the whole he was supposed to be a first yeah, rounder thing, was. which was interesting. It's interesting that they bring that up. Uh, I don't buy into that as much. I'm with Stoner in the fact that fifth rounders don't tend to do very well. Um, and they're fine. I, I'm excited for Sam Howell because I've seen the things that he can do and. Mm-hmm. And honestly, and this banks a lot onto it, if he does turn out to be the guy, then Washington's got their guy on a rookie contract and you can build this roster and you can make the attempt. There's a, So there's a lot of hope there from me on the burgundy and gold glasses. And so, but yes, I, I'm also not the one who's predicting him to have 50 touchdowns like um, Patrick Mahomes did his no first full year as a starter. No. Well, if you did, then you might have to um, retire, not just from there. You might have to retire from Ref the District because we'd have to check you into a mental facility. <laughs> there isn't anybody who's going to be predicting uh, mm. predicting him to have fifty touchdowns. I mean, that's he's just going to have twenty at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could probably go out there and throw twenty with the enemy and. I mean, these weapons. Heineke got 20 touchdowns. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I, I would right. definitely expect uh, there to be Who? some, uh, yeah, buzz. <laughs> be careful. EP might be watching and uh, and she might not like snakes, and she's, but she certainly loves that bee. Um, yeah. now, and if you are watching, by the way, sorry, Nathan, to interrupt. If you mm-hmm. are watching, hit that uh, like button. We'd appreciate that. We haven't, uh, you guys are uh, slacking on the like clicks. So click on that for us. Much appreciated. Click on that. Well, I mean, they're, they're yeah, black. absolutely hit that like button. Uh, Michael's saying thirty-five. Sam, uh, ha 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 says Sam Howell is capable of throwing fifty touchdowns. 
Uh, uh-huh. Allison Howe was a first round pick when he had wide receivers. Exactly. Wide receivers now, you know. yeah. He also had a line then. Questionable whether or not Sam Howell has a line right now. He does. Um, and CJ saying somebody has to be the bad guy. Why not you, Stoner? Stoner's hey. got a Stoner's got a bad take later. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll save that how, for how for later. Boring the show be if it was just three guys saying yep sam howell's gonna be awesome uh talk sure. to you next week <laughs> one of the things that makes us a great show is the banter back and forth yes. uh let's go with with our our man Jahan dotson here because he was talking up somehow sam Howell. we've talked a lot of sam Howell over the last couple of weeks here Jahan dotson is is expecting a breakout season which you want all players to kind of have that mindset now we shared some interesting stats with people when it came to his rookie year. We asked the question on Twitter, who had the more targets and catches between Logan Thomas and Jahan Dotson? Trev, do you know the answer? It's got to be Jahan Dotson. A lot of people thought that. A lot of people thought that, but a lot of people also went – the reverse, because they're like, well, you wouldn't be asking this question if it was Jahan Dotson, right? And it, it, in fact, it is, was Logan Thomas. They had the same amount of targets. Logan Thomas had four more catches. Uh, now, the biggest difference here, and Stoner, go ahead and give out those stats here, and then I'll give my two cents on it. How's that? Stoner, you You're muted committed. yourself. This is what happens when he has a, a fire water with him. I got, I got a fire water. Sorry about that. Yeah. So he had <laughs> both of them had 61 uh, targets. Each of them did. Now, Dotson missed five games. Logan missed three games. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Logan had two extra games, but they had the same amount of targets 61. Logan had 39 catches, and Jahan had 35 catches. Now, of course, Jahan had two big advantages or two big statistical uh, advantages in that he had a lot more yards, so his yards mm-hmm. per catch were a lot higher, and then he had seven touchdowns, seven out of his 35 catches. So every five times he caught a ball, he caught a touchdown. And yeah. uh, Logan had only the one touchdown last year. So was Deha- was Dotson much more effective as a receiver? Absolutely. But he had less catches than Logan did in the same amount of targets and almost the same amount of games. He had a couple more games, but still. That's that's mm-hmm. surprising. We all thought Jahan Dotson had this incredible year as a rookie. He and did. statistically, touchdowns, he had an incredible year for a rookie. Everything else was average, below average even for a rookie. Statistically. Uh, now, now, so now you're mixing a couple things up here, so I'm going to call right. you out for it. So, okay, <laughs> as far as a rookie wide receiver, he had absolutely like uh, not a stellar year. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't a, an offensive rookie of the year finisher or anything like this. Now he mm-hmm. was on that pace early on, but he didn't have below average numbers. He had absolutely average to above average numbers across the board for a rookie wide receiver now Mm -hmm. when you're comparing him to logan thomas yes his numbers weren't you know no one thought logan thomas had a great year but we looked at Jahan dotson as a good year i mean there were some expectations built in this there are different you know position groups as well tight ends to wide receivers which is where you account for the yards 523 for Jahan dotson to 323 for uh logan thomas 
Now, the reverse of that is interesting. The touchdowns, normally you'd expect the six foot five guy to have more touchdowns, um, but it is what it is. The uh, yards per target, 8.6 for Jahan Dotson, 5.3 for Logan Thomas. He's just getting the ball out further to Jahan Dotson, which Wait, is how another much, thing. How much yards per point- catch for Dotson? For not yards per catch, yards per target, 8.6. Yards per target, thank you. Okay, yeah, 8.6 and then 5.3 for – I think the targets is important because it tells you kind of where they're, they're being looked at on the field, right? And mm-hmm. you're looking at Jahan Dotson further away from the line of scrimmage Absolutely. than you are looking at a Logan Thomas here. So, yeah, he had – I think I, I remember before the season taking a look at the where – what we can expect from Jahan Dotson – and you expect them to be anywhere between 30 and 70 catches and then anywhere between like 300 and like 900 yards is what I think it was, um, is like a, is like your average, uh, you know, typical wide receiver, uh, okay. numbers for a rookie receiver. So he's very much in the, in the mix for all of that. Very so, average. Yeah. Not which, outstanding which touchdowns wise. He was outstanding. Like I said, yeah. one in every five. But that was also missing five games. You can extrapolate a little bit and you know give him a couple extra boosts, but I think he still finds himself on that average. Now, this year, it's going to be a little different. He's with EB. He's with Sam Howell. Uh, a lot of people, like the Coat Talker here, are expecting Dotson to be wide receiver one by the end of the year. Woo! Um do we have do we have like a a timeout corner that we put somebody in for like a minute or something like that cuz cuz that's a little that's a little off the off, I mean that's a little crazy. I I'm yeah, trying to find the right button for uh for that kind of take. Uh, and I I mean a lot of people I think Stoner would probably go with that one. Did you get that? Rim, rim shot or trombone on that one? Uh, I, I, I go with this one. The laughter, yeah, the laughter is pretty good. A lot of people think it though, and 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 Gus Bus is asking what constitutes a breakout year: 60, 80 receptions, thousand yards. My question is even further to those people who think that Dotson could be wide receiver one by the end of the year. What does that look like? You know, because we've talked about kind of where his season should be and you know stoner you thought that some of us were crazy with how many catches that we thought he was going to have and how many yards and stuff i want to know from from you guys what does it look like if jahan dotson is wide receiver one by the end of the year we're going to start with you trev what's it look like if he's wide receiver one by the end of the year uh five and eleven six and ten um Weird. He's a small time. <laughs> weird. Small weird time would be it. The record part I didn't think about. I mean, I guess yeah. If they're if he's wide receiver one, maybe that's not a good year for Washington. Nah, dog. I mean, he's he's a good receiver, but his size is not our not wide receiver one size. Well, I mean, Ty Hill is smaller than him. And Ty Hill was wide receiver one for four or five years in Kansas City. And he's wide receiver one, and he's also faster the speed of lightning. Sure, <laughs> Jahan Dotson. Come on, I, let's be honest. Stephon Diggs, small. Let's be honest. But before he was draft, like when he was drafted, we were like, "Who, Jahan Dotson? It's a mm. day two wide receiver. We picked him on day one or whatever." Mm. And now, since they had a great year with Taylor Heineke, 
were like, oh, wide receiver one by end of the year. I mean, that's a little – that's pushing it. I mean, he had seven touchdowns in, what, 11 games, 12 games. That's great, but that's just touchdowns. Like, he doesn't – Yards and catches are not wide receiver one. I don't know, man. It just wouldn't be. You, so you would think that the world would be turned upside down if 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 he it'd be, it'd be weird. Yeah, just be, be well, weird. One thing I think is important to note about that, and maybe it's not so crazy as we kind of ponder it here, is that there's no doubt there's been this connection between Howell and Dotson in the OTAs and in mm. the um and in the uh what do you call it not the otas but the mini camp camp, mini camp yeah there has been a connection there there's an obvious connection and people teams have shown throughout the years that you can develop a chemistry with a guy and it never goes away so i think there's that chance that he could become a bigger target yes number one target why would you go away yeah. from Terry McLaurin as your number one guy? When he's proven it with my next-door neighbor as a quarterback. Year <laughs> after year. And her, yeah. her name after. is Aunt Marilyn, and she's pushing 90. Yeah. So I'm just saying. That's exactly okay. right. That would be the problem with the, this whole scenario, is that you have this incredible talent in Terry McLaurin. It's proven talent. This is not a hope like Dotson mm-hmm. quite talent. It's a proven talent. You gave him all this money. Why not continue doing what has been successful in terms of his yeah, numbers? Let's, let's, so slow, let's, temper, yeah, let's slow down on the Dotson train. Just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but let's give but let's give him that uh go from 35 catches to 60 catches. Okay, so almost doubling, but not quite, because he's gonna play in four more games. This is all, of course, assuming that he's healthy for 17 games. Right. And his yards would go up from, what was it, uh, 523? Mm-hmm. What if it goes to 923? So he goes an extra 25 catches for another 400 yards. <laughs> and I wouldn't even expect the seven touchdowns either. If he gets no, to seven, no. that Gus, would be incredible. Gus Bus says Dawson would need at least 80 catches and 1,200 yards to be wide receiver one. Uh, absolutely. I mean, those are wide receiver numbers. Catches. Yes. Yeah. And he's not yeah. getting that. It, it uh, yeah, 80 80 might be a little bit low. But I mean those those are that's factual, right? I mean I mean if he's wide receiver 1 by the end, it means that he's surpassed Terry in all of the numbers. And assuming both of them play the full 17 games, Trev, I will agree with you a little bit there. The world's kind of turned upside down if that's the case. You know, but if they play all 17 games and we're talking Jahan Dotson's got 95 catches for 1,400 yards and 12 touchdowns and Terry's sitting at like 80 catches for 1,100 yards and five touchdowns, is that enough to convince you guys that Dotson was wide receiver one? No. He's got 15 more catches. He's got 300 more yards and significantly more touchdowns. Um, I mean, I would just have to say what happened to Terry. What I mean, did he miss seven games? No, I'm saying this is 17 games. No, those, this is, he, he, uh, dropped, this is, he dropped. He dropped. He dropped 15 passes. Let's just say they have same targets. But Terry, Terry dropping. Dropped. I just don't see that happening. I know, but he also was a body catcher. 
for this EP, I'll throw I'll throw Twitter in the dig here. I don't. I, this isn't Logan Thomas. This is Terry McLaurin. He was a body was catcher. Line. He really didn't have a lot of opportunity to do this. Yeah. You know, he was a lot of this. He is time. a body catcher. He's almost always a body catcher. Yeah. Even when the pass is up here, he tries to get his body. Yeah, catcher. he gets. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. But he still catches it. And yeah. Terry McLaurin's you, bad. Yeah. yeah, and and I think I've seen him drop one. I think he dropped a touchdown. Oh no, he he's remember. definitely dropped passes. Behind I'm not touchdown too. Yeah, both both of yeah. them dropped passes. Both of them have dropped the them from Sam Howell actually, like, because that was that was one of the things as far as Sam Howell's first start is both Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson dropped. You just don't ever see you know them drop passes like that. So I don't think I'm not among those who who thinks that Jahan Dotson is going to be wide receiver one by the end of the year, but I am with Jahan Dotson and believing that he's going to have a breakout year. And for me, a breakout year would be becoming solidifying himself as wide receiver two. So he, if you look at Curtis Samuel's numbers to Jahan Dotson's numbers mm-hmm. last year, there there's not a distinct line between the two, even though Jahan Dotson missed five games and their catches, I think around the same but if at the end of the year, at the end of the season, if we have Terry McLaurin with 90 catches and X amount of yards, Jahan Dotson at like 77 catches and mm. Curtis Samuel at like 50, that to me would be successful and a breakout year. Assuming again, they play all 17 games. What does that look like for you, Trev? What's a breakout season for you with Jahan Dotson? Um, probably around the same thing, 60 to 75 catches, 700 to 900 yards receiving, and go ahead and if he's on the same path as he was last year with seven touchdowns and seven games pretty much, go ahead and give him 12. 12? I mean. Bro, his yard after catch, bro? Yeah. Come on. Nobody saw that same move coming for a touchdown. Let's be honest. (laughs) But his seven touchdowns were like, were like, way high okay terry's never even had seven in a year i don't think right? well, that's not terry's fault also he's played with thirty-five thousand quarterbacks. okay well he <laughs> like had the same is, issue is. last year he had three quarterbacks that he caught Look passes at the from last year so i'm just saying that if he gets to seven i would be very very surprised rookie year he had seven touchdowns by the way who mclaurin terry yeah McLaurin. and that's his high right yeah, That's his career high is seven. I mean, if he if he just needs that that quarterback arm strength to get him to get him there, Carson Wentz has arm strength. It's not the accuracy. And I will I will say this: this is uh, now this is a little bit of a crazy take. Uh-oh. But if Uh-oh. Jahan Dotson finishes the year with like 135 um, targets, and McLaurin finishes with like 104 targets. We're, we're going to need to get a new offensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy is going to have to go <laughs> because oh, no. Bien- because McLaurin should have the majority of targets, right? Period. But also, but Period. now they're going to start doubling Terry. Like, and and, and that was brought up in the in the comment section, Trev, years. by a couple of people. A lot of people are going to focus on number seventeen, and no. this is where well, Stoner to the to this thing here now. This 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 Look point is that. Yes, they've been doing it for years. They He's still got his 1,000 yards. He's had horrible quarterbacks. We know Terry McLaurin is him. What we now have is a wide receiver, two who could potentially make teams pay for that double coverage that's yeah. on Terry McLaurin. 
which yeah. might then also open up Terry McLaurin. But I mean, we we had Curtis Samuel three seasons ago. We're pretty excited, and then it turns out he's harboring an injury. This year was kind of a wash. And so now we're entering the the third year, rather. Now we're entering the third year. And now we have a different wide receiver who could potentially take that, uh, you know, that ball to the house. Like when Jahan Dotson's fast, like when we have three fast wide receivers and you get the ball to them in space and we see what happened when they had that uh, this last season. So I think that's going to be the difference. Well, in theory, I can I can see what everybody's saying about that. But can you tell me in three seasons ago when your quarterback was Haskins, it was it was Haskins slash Alex Smith slash uh what was that donk third Kyle Allen. Hey, that right? Nice. You had those three guys. <laughs> <laughs> Who were your other receivers besides Kyle Allen, not Josh Allen, Trev? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> Who was the other receivers besides Cam Sims? Yeah, you had Cam Sims and I don't know, was Josh Doxon still there? No. At that no. point. He had been gone. He had been uh, gone. And who was your running back? I'm sure Gus can look this stuff up for us, but three years ago when Terry Darius was in his year. Running back. For a little bit. Yep, the one year. Adrian Peterson was here a little bit with Dwayne Haskins. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Terry McClellan, who is your most dangerous player, the the strategy for the defense would be, okay, let's put four guys on McLaurin and everybody else cover the other people because they're just not that good. He still got his. So -hmm. don't all of a sudden tell me now that you have these extra weapons like Dotson, Jahan Dotson, now all of a sudden they're going to start double teaming and triple teaming Terry McLaurin? No, that's not that's not how it works. They you do that when you don't have other weapons. When you have other weapons, that's going to be more for Terry McLaurin. He can eat some more because he doesn't have he doesn't have the safeties rotating over to his side because now they have to worry about Dotson. Now they hopefully have to worry about screens with Gibby and they have to worry about Cole Turner slash Logan Thomas. So, you know what I mean? The more weapons you have, the more your wide receiver one should eat. Well, Stoner, why I've got you on kind of the hopeful train, that positive, you're normally oh. very pessimistic. So let me, why, why, let me take advantage of this positivity yeah. that you're, you're bringing out into the world. Tell me this, who, is going to have a bigger breakout season between Terry mm-hmm. McLaurin and Jahan Dotson. Now I'm not talking the stats here. I'm talking about the bigger breakout season. Does Terry McLaurin cement his status as a top 10, which mm-hmm. would be a breakout. A lot of people consider him in like the top 15, top 20. Now he solidifies himself in top 10 or Jahan Dotson making a name for himself outside of just the fantasy uh, football circle. Which one would be a bigger breakout season for you? Well, assuming that assuming that Sam Howell is the guy, right? That's what yeah. I guess we're having to assume this, and and enemy oh, is get over it. Yes, doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> then yeah, for sure it's Terry McLaurin. It's yeah. Terry McLaurin has to get 150 targets, and he has to catch 115. That's probably a little high. 105 to 110 balls and have 150 targets 
you you have to take advantage of the ridiculous talent that you have, and I think that's what Bienemy will design. Will Sam be able to make that happen? Oh yeah, we'll see. But yeah, you have to find that talent and you have to take advantage of it, and that's what McLaurin is. We take that for granted. His talent. We just think he's you know a great why? dude. He works hard. He gets numbers with bad quarterbacks. That dude is ridiculous in <laughs> everything that he does with his route running, yeah. with his hands, yeah. with his uh, yards after catch. His speed. His body with control. His speed, I mean, there's just everything. All of it is yeah. a ridiculous talent. He just hasn't been able to break out. Exactly. I think I'm up to three Terry McLaurin jerseys, by the way, at this point. I have one <laughs> signed. I have one that was given to me as a gift, and I have one that's just mine. So yeah, just for like, sure. So I think that's what that is. I agree. Yeah. I'm, By the way, some of the names that uh, were thrown out there was uh, AGG as a wide oh, yeah. receiver out there. Uh, Chris Thompson was ap- absolutely a big con- uh, contributor uh, Terry's rookie that. year. Um, yeah, Steven Sims Jr. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when he was out there fumbling punts away. Lots <laughs> of players fumbling the ball and the bag, as it seems, as the NFL is expected to suspend even more players for violating the league's gambling policy. Uh, They have six key rules here. Don't bet on the NFL. Don't gamble at your team facility uh, while traveling for a road game or staying at the team hotel. Don't have someone bet for you. Don't share team inside information. Don't enter a sports book during the NFL playing season and don't play daily fantasy football. Uh, So bottom line, don't gamble. It seems like it's the answer is just don't gamble, but Isaiah uh, Rogers looks to be joining Calvin Ridley, CJ Moore, Quintez Cephas, and our own Shaka Tony uh, that had gotten at a year-long ban. There's also two uh, wide receivers, Jameson Williams and Stanley Berryhill, who got six games. What should the NFL do, gentlemen, when it comes to the the gambling I don't want to say problem, but the gambling situation within the NFL. A lot of these players, by the way, on the younger end, uh, which I think is exactly what they're doing. Keep Mm -hmm. suspending them. I mean, don't change nothing. Don't make it to where you can beat around the bush and bet here or go through this door to bet here secretly. Nah, keep keep everything intact and keep doing what you're doing with the discipline. I mean, that's the only way they'll learn. Yeah, man, it's a it's a tough thing to try and figure out because gambling, I mean, just think about 10 years ago how taboo gambling was just in society in general and especially in the sports world. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about all the teams that would never go to Vegas, relocate to Vegas right. just because of the gambling implications. And now you have an NFL team there, an NHL team there, baseball team is probably going there. And within 10 years, I think there'll be an NBA team there as well. And now it's everywhere. It's, I mean, the NFL has sponsors, for crying out loud, that are, that are sports books. Mm-hmm. So they just have to figure out what that line is. And I think they did. And whether or not they're communicating that line properly to the teams, that's for them to figure out. But, yeah, you just have to draw a line. And wherever that line is, you, you list it in there like six – uh, different things so just don't cross that line you cross that line it's just like anything else here are the rules for steroids 
or 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 performance enhancing drugs. Here are the rules. You cross them, you're in trouble. You're, yeah. You get suspended. And as long as they're laid out properly, I don't have any problem in how they deal with it. There is no double standard just because they're sponsored by sports right. books and everything. I don't think there's right. a double standard. You have to keep the integrity of the game or else or, or else it'll just be the most corrupt uh, game out there and then everybody yeah. loses. So, mm-hmm. yeah, draw the line, stick to the line. That's good for me. That's fair. I couldn't resist that segue, which is why I went there. It is uh, the situation surrounding Shaka Tony, maybe not as disappointing for some people as it was for me, because I believed that he could turn a corner as a pass rush specialist. But I do know other people are disappointed in what we're going to be talking about next, which is hard knocks not coming to D.C. And also Richmond is off table for training camp in the future years. All that's coming up here in the cool down. Stick with us.